0: I'm Gary Gary, and you're listening to The Laughs of Your Life. The podcast where I talk to influential people about laughter. From their first memories of laughter to feeling laughed at to the person they always laugh with. Literally driving in the car
1: this morning, I was capping myself because she was like, Mom, can I put pizza on your boobies? <laughs> now she's in the back of the car. We have not like, I'm fully dressed. She's not looking at my boobies. We haven't had pizza. She doesn't need pizza. She's never had pizza. She's looking out the window and she was like, can I put pizza on your boobies and I'm
0: like yes of course of course <laughs> time. and I'm looking
1: like there's a truck here beside me and I'm like do you have no idea the conversations <laughs> that we're having right now you know
0: TV and radio broadcaster Catherine Thomas is my guest this week she talks to me about growing up in Carlo, how she nabbed the best TV job in her 20s and the light of her life her daughter Ellie I hope you enjoy Catherine Thomas. Yes. You are extremely... <laughs> <laughs> you are extremely welcome to
1: The Laughs of Your Life. It is so good to be here. Do you know what? It's actually good to be sitting and seeing human beings. I know. The last time we was chatting to you was on Zoom. Yeah. Um, and now I'm sitting here like across a two metre space looking at your fabulous face. Fabulous my arse. Fabulous. Like straight out of breakfast
0: radio. I'm as pale as pasty. <laughs> yeah, we We have, gorgeous, coffee, we have and, coffee. Yeah. Being We've in town, Shane. Shane, yeah. Hi, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. It does feel a little bit normal. It does. It does. How are you keeping? I'm no. See, now you're going into interviewer mode. You're not okay, supposed to okay, do that. Sorry, that sorry. happens. I'm keeping great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, tell me. Right, the laughs of your life. I know you've listened before because yes. you came in there and you said the Trisha episode you loved. Listen, and you girl, have a little. You have a little story.
1: Yes, Go the girl on. is a ticket. Yeah, like she is just. And I was listening to it the other day, laughing my. Bags off. Honestly, she is just brilliant. So I first met Trisha. She came down. I, we were doing a wellness day, but then she came down to one of my boot camps in Seafield down in Wexford. And she was kind of nervous coming down. She's like, oh, I don't know. Will I be able for it? Will I be able for it? Anyway, she came down. Of course, within seconds, everybody fell in love with her. She had that beautiful verbal diarrhea that she has, you know, that she never <laughs> yes. stops and um, anyway so she gets into the car and i had two of my best friends down with me antonia and ruth and um th- they had just i just asked them to be my bridesmaids right mm. and like ruth now i had been in business for five years she'd never crossed the threshold of the boot camp because she was like forget about it as soon as i asked her to be bridesmaid she was like oh jesus down she comes for the week <laughs> to try to lose a few pounds <laughs> and uh, anyway trisha gets into the car we were going to the beach i said come on in we'll give you a lift down and she starts talking about the nine sisters that you had yes. to chat about yeah and um my my friend antonia turns around and says she's had do you manage like with weddings and and you know the bridesmaids and she was like oh don't talk to us no we made a pact that it would be, just be so tacky you'd never have nine bridesmaids like my big fat gypsy wedding horrific can you imagine the tackiness the awfulness of the whole thing no. and we were just in the car and we there was just silence and we just <laughs> broke our arses laughing and tony said oh you know catherine's having 10 bridesmaids <laughs> <laughs> well i swear to god trisha lee was never lost for words that moment she was like
0: I'd love
1: her. What like, did she say? She was just, she could, She said, I know, I, I, I didn't mean it like that. It's just our sisters. And I was like, Trisha, stop taking. Just stop. Throw it away. We laughed ourselves silly. Oh my oh. God. But she's just one of those, you know? She's uh, yes. kind of, it, it's all out. And I love I love her to bits. I love what her to you bits.
0: see is what you get. She's just, she's brilliant. But look, it's not about Trish, it's about you, Catherine. <clears throat> yes. So sorry. shall we start? <laughs> shall we commence with our question? Let's do it. Let's do it. Catherine Thomas, your first memory of laughter? Okay, my
1: first memory of laughter, I, c- I couldn't actually pinpoint. A single memory because when like we had been talking about doing this podcast by the way I, m- I should say this for months it wasn't like you were desperate no! that you were kind of ringing me at the last no! minute no! or that I was too cool for school not to be in beforehand but it was literally trying to get a date yeah. for the two of us so I'll anyway back, yeah. um, but I couldn't think of actually one moment like in our house growing up there was just always carnage so there's me uh, my brother David is a year older than me my sister Linda is three years younger and we were just always in trouble like we were always I, I idolised my brother like I was a real tomboy
0: yeah.
1: and uh, when we were like we were just always beating the shite out of each other um, and my poor mother like at one stage there were six students living in the house and we were all sleeping up in the attic which sounds a lot worse than it actually was <laughs> oh my god because like my my dad's business had gotten into trouble so there was a, an IT in Carlos who so she loaded a load of students into the house and she was feeding them and right. you know looking after them and the whole thing and um, so we just used to spend what seemed like weeks up in the attic like it was just like our beds up there and um, we went through a stage of enjoying the WWF. Do you remember the WWF? The World Wrestling Federation. And my brother was always the ultimate warrior. And for some reason, I was Jake the Snake Roberts. He was the one that I absolutely loved. And he went, was going, like, I I used to go in, get the mother's dressing gown, like the the floral dressing gown. He wore, he always wore this kind of cool cape. So I'd be in that. And then he had a a bag with snakes in it. So I'd go around with the pillowcases and like a load of wool, pretend they were snakes. My brother always cool, the ultimate warrior. And we would just beat the shite out of each other morning, noon and night and my sister we had her going around God love her as one of the, the girls with the <laughs> the ring, the, the ring. <laughs> yeah yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: and I mean it was just endless laughing endless and as I said like my mother was killed trying to kind of keep us apart we had our cousins that lived across the road from us as well who all just happened to marry us age. Do you know what I mean so David and, and okay. Su- Susan yeah i like, better explain that David and Susan were the same age me and Alan were the same age so you age.
0: married your cousin? yeah <laughs> No, I hear you it was a match it was a match yeah, yeah, and yeah Linda yeah. and Jennifer
1: so myself and Alan were are, like we were the buddies like we were always together and um, Alan was a really quiet shy good child and I on the other hand was just everywhere there was trouble everywhere that you could get into trouble I was there and I'd drag him with me <laughs> so I mean like knickknacks thrown stink bombs through people's letterbox and like that I just remember hiding behind the wall of somebody's poor, like somebody's, somehow old one that you just threw a stink bomb in <laughs> and you're hiding by the wall and you are just doubled over. Like, I mean, when when I think back now, like just horrific knickknacks. Um, then my grandparents lived um, and this was our favourite. Like, I actually, I can still feel the laughter when I think about us doing this and um, they had this big high wall that looked out over the road and there was kind of a cutout in the wall. So myself and Alan used to, you know, sit there for hours looking to who was going in and out of town and you'd throw like a conqueror, you'd throw an acorn on top of somebody's head. Like you'd never do it to anyone old or anyone with children, but right. like people in their twenties, all in, you know. And it started like that, but then it developed over time to like like, basins of water and then it was basins oh, of water stop. with cow shit in it.
0: No! Oh, okay. Yes.
1: And, like, and because the lane was so far, like, you'd throw it and then you'd just fec- leg it leg down it. the field and you'd never get caught. So, um, so I you mean... you were bowled. Bowled, yeah. And then... But I can't did imagine
0: thing. you being, like, properly bold, like, in sc- like, mean in school or anything. No, I was never
1: mean, but it was always, like, pushing the boundaries gotcha, of... yeah. You know, that sort of... Anything that, like, was remotely like dangerous stuff that you shouldn't be doing. Um, Like, well, this was actually really mean now when I think about it. Like, did you ever do prank calls? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the prank calls were a big um, kind of phase that we went through. (laughs) I was thinking about this only yesterday when I actually was going through the questions again, I was like, I can't actually believe we did this. So we'd go upstairs to my mom and dad's room and they'd have the telephone beside the bed and um, the 0503 phone book, right? And you know the way in the phone books back in the day, it would always be Mr. Thomas or Mrs. Garrahy, yes. Mr. and Mrs. Garrahy or whatever. But then some people put in their full names. Yes, so like yeah. Peter and Mary O'Brien or yeah. Claire and Eugene Garrahy, right? So you'd go through the phone book and you'd try and find... A couple whose names were in the phone book, right? right. And um, so but you'd never do it in the 0503 area because that's where we lived, so you'd always have to look at the 059 or the 057, so they'd be far enough away that you never get caught. Anyway, right. So say for example, you'd look up Claire and Eugene, and so then if a man answered, I'd get Alan on the phone, and if a woman answered, I'd get on the phone. And she'd be like, Hello? And I'd be like, Hello. <laughs> Is Eugene there? Please? No, you didn't. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs>
0: ah! you little pussy sorry, sorry <laughs> who's this
1: and I'd be like sorry who's this this is Rebecca <laughs> and like at that point we'd
0: be like <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> so they'd know like you know get off the phone that's disgraceful <laughs> but like, this is the shit that we found so you basically you, you planted affairs in people's yes! houses yes holy and god I don't know what age I was maybe like Twelve. My God. You messer. I like it though. I like that level of devilment.
1: I mean, but when the phone hung up and you would just be creased on the floor, like absolutely.
0: Anything to just knock the crack out of anything. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. So we were, there were loads of laughs and uh, yeah, very, very fond memories of childhood, I have to say. The first time you felt laughed at, Catherine? The first time I felt laughed at... um, well, it probably happened before this, but the first time I think that it properly affected me, I um, I had done first year in Saint Leo's Convent in Carlo. Like my, oh, my brother had gone to boarding school,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and my mom felt that I wasn't ready to go to boarding school right and I think like obviously I was a bit of a wild one kind of hadn't really calmed down you know she felt that I wasn't sort of independent enough to go off so anyway I went in second year so I was kind of like the new girl arriving in Okay. and uh, that's not easy no it wasn't it wasn't and I had been like I'd never been conscious about myself never been conscious about um, my body or how I looked I was always super confident um, and you know always as I said up for a laugh any old bit of difference you could get into but I remembered that first day that I arrived in and had all my books and I didn't know anyone and I cried my eyes to sleep the night before anyway and I'm walking down this big long corridor and you know it was probably only four metres. But back then when you're that size yes. and everything seems so large <laughs> and like I, I don't know whether there were lads in fourth year or fifth year and sixth year but like six or seven lads up the end of the corridor and you know it was like that silence. They looked at me coming I was like oh! and just put the head down and just started walking and I had to walk through them. Oh I hate that. Had to walk through them and I just remember getting closer and I was puce by the time I got to them. Even though at that stage you know nothing had been said. Yeah. But I remember walking through them and the whispering and then i just remember them bursting their asses laughing Aww. so that was the first time i probably felt properly you know conscious that there was there was this kind of teenage thing happening i was only probably 14 then at the time yeah so that there was a kind of a, an us and them when it came to boys and girls and, yeah you know that age um, of... how you have to kind of you know manage that whole piece yeah so and
0: how did you find boarding school then
1: I loved it. Did you like yeah? I okay. loved it. I loved it. Um, now again, you know, the rules didn't suit me a lot of the time. Right. I just about managed it to didn't get into. It suit me,
0: I love that. As just, if rules suit other people like I know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um I got through by the skin of my teeth. I have to say again, good student, love my teachers, um but again, any bit of different. So I figured out how to escape out the window Perfect. and um <laughs> spent about four months uh, in Leeson Street on a Wednesday night. Um having what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> You just so casually said that. What do you
1: mean? Well I see I I figured out how to um to unscrew the break the glass thing without setting the fire alarm off to get the key right? to get out to open a window and I would hitchhike into town into Leeson Street to you go to Legs have dance joking and come back in time for roll calls it was shocking when I think about it now like when Catherine it, I know I know so was, Wednesday nights you'd be in Leeson Street yeah and the only reason I got caught was there was a teacher that saw us <laughs> there this is gold huh? yes holy moly so I know I know I know
0: And tell me, okay, at at what point, so what were your subjects in school that that you liked? Like, did you know that TV or radio or that kind of life Did you want that? I wanted to be an actress that was my thing so yeah yeah, kind of performance I always did acting when
1: I was in school I always was you know part of the fesh always um, you know the community games from like a a little one like I did um, speech and drama with a brilliant woman called Mary Doyle and Carlo Um, and then you know but as you went through school I think you had a bit of this as well when I heard your interview with um, your podcast with Paul Meskell um, my dad was I was like I want to do drama want to do theatre studies dad was like no 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 you get your degree before you do anything yeah. so um, I had wanted to do communications in in DCU but missed it by five points so ended up in UCD doing arts um, so but anyway, to answer your question, yeah, I kinda always wanted to do some sort of performance. Didn't know that one, it was gonna be T V, but it was something you know, I, I I thought it was gonna be acting. You know, I thought I was off to Hollywood. Yes, yeah,
0: and yeah, got as
1: far as Dolly Brooks for sure. Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> Here we are. Now we're on Dame Street. But I loved, I have to say I did, I loved school. Um and uh, Like the boarding school experience for me was brilliant. That aside, you know, that little phase that I went through of of (laughs) jumping out windows, that aside, um, (laughs) it was a mixed boarding school and it was, it did. It gave me a brilliant sense of independence, you know, and uh, still my best friends from, my best friends today are still my best friends from school, you know. It was a Uh, tight knit little group.
0: And was sport and fitness, was that big then or was that later? No, that was big in school because, again, I was quite the little
1: chubster when I was growing up Same. In, um, in primary school. Like, um, Probably not helped by the fact that um, that was another um, story that you made me think about. Actually, <laughs> in the early days, we used to do this, these sales outside the, outside the family home. Right, We'd set up the ironing board um, and we'd sell all matter of, you know, any shite that you had <laughs> in the house, like teddy bears. And yeah. we'd have Linda and Jennifer making dandelion perfume. And then we'd just go up to the shop. And, and like just devour whatever yeah. penny sweets <laughs> but that, the thing was that my cousins always ate the penny sweets I was going for like the big giant bar of dairy milk and the snowballs <laughs> and everything so anyway probably didn't help the fact that I was you know quite overweight when I was going into um, when I was going into secondary school and I hadn't really been playing a whole lot of sport okay. but when I was there it was compulsory so I got big into running and big into hockey and that's kind of where it started for okay. me kind of healthy eating and, and figuring out that I felt better when I was healthier you know gotcha
0: Okay, we'll, we will come back to that. Okay. The moment when if you didn't laugh, you'd cry, Catherine.
1: Oh, God.
0: Again, I couldn't think of just one of these.
1: Like, it had to have been one of the years. Like, so I spent 10 years traveling with No Frontiers and we had so many situations. I ca- like, I cannot even tell you that were so awful that we got ourselves into <laughs> that when I think about it, like, and it's only now that the show has kind of been over as long as it has, that I think it's okay to talk about it from an insurance perspective <laughs> you know, that like, or from like an RTE perspective. Yeah. But um, the moment I, probably the biggest one, um, I was chatting to Mark Boland, who was the cameraman with me for years and years on the road. And I was only chatting to him yesterday. And he was like, do you remember that time in Papua New Guinea? And I went, jog my memory there, you know, because like we all have sort of different memories of what happened. Of course, but, yeah. Anyway. Long story short, it's going to be a long one anyway. Sorry, Shane. <laughs> um, so I had wanted to go to Papua New Guinea for a thousand years and um, kept saying to RTE, we need to do a, sh- a program in Papua New Guinea. They kept saying, no, 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 absolutely not. Who in the hell wants to go to Papua New Guinea? Anyway, finally got it over the line and um, off we went to Papua New Guinea. So I had produced the um, story of what we were going to do and all of that and. Um, Obviously, I hadn't produced very well um, and we got there and like Port Moresby in Papua New Guinea, one of the most dangerous cities in the world. We actually, by complete and utter random fluke, met Dennis O'Brien in Port Moresby Airport when we landed. Right. He was just setting up DigiCell, which was his company all over the Caribbean. Yeah. Um, And he said to me, he kind of knew me from I was doing a bit of work with the Special Olympics at the time. And he had kind of said, what are you? don't tell me Jesus Catherine you're out here promoting holidays I said absolutely Dennis that's exactly why I'm here and um, I was like sure isn't it all about the final frontier and he was like okay this is our security guard we have 15 Irish people out here and they have full security at all times Um, have you got a satellite phone I was like I don't want a satellite phone in that stage Mark and Ruth who were the crew they were like yes we'd like a satellite phone yes yes sorry who are you can we have your number so um, at that point I went oh okay okay this could be um, a little more tricky than I thought and of course we had gone up we climbed Mount Wilhelm highest mountain in uh, Papua New Guinea same height as Mont Blanc Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I had wanted to go to this Gulf province because I had seen on the Natural, National Geographic that there was this old deserted gold mine. Right. right. So I had wanted to go and find, and there were all these old relics of tanks, but left exactly how they were in World War II. So I had wanted to go and. Um, so anyway, we were three days. We hired this guide, and then he hired five more fellas. And anyway, off we went, and we were he- heading up river, trekking through the jungle. We were three days up river, right? Now, there are. No roads in Papua New Guinea. There are two roads: one like that goes one side of the island, and one that goes the other side of the island. There are eight hundred different tribes speaking eight hundred different languages. So you think like the bu- yes. So you think like it's the Bull McCabe here who are territorial over their fields and their land,
0: right? Over there, like
1: the Bull McCabe looks like you know Snoopy, right? Like they <laughs> they are literally, and so anyway, as we crossed over land to land, anyway, we got to this river, right, and um we were having to, like, put a a big rope across the river and we were, like, lashing through all the gear over our head. It was kind of this height. The current was flowing. We were all holding on to this rope, trying to get across, trying to get across. Everybody got across the river except me. So, because they wanted to get a shot of me coming across the river. right? So, Mark had set up his camera. He was like, action! I'm like, woo, here we go. And the next thing, like, literally, I just hear this. Coming out from like on my right hand side and I turn I'm literally ready for my shot and this guy is running at me and he is just wearing this loincloth he has a three foot knife no yeah he his teeth are already because they eat this beetle nut out there so like it's kind of a hallucinogenic so he's red, red eyes red teeth and he is literally running at me and I'm just like
0: oh <laughs> to stab you oh, yeah and I
1: was just like Oh my God! This is the moment that I die. Like this is where it's going to happen. Like and, and then it was on the camera. I, yeah, yeah. But the thing was, I just at that moment, like I really, I reacted in a way that I didn't ever think that I would react. Which is, I thought I would run or charge or scream, but I literally just went. I put my head down and I just kind of went. <laughs> i could crying. No, kind of laughing. Well, The end of me, like I just—it was kind of a nervous laugh at the uh, like absurdity of the whole thing. I was so riddled with fear, I couldn't move, I couldn't scream, I couldn't—I didn't jump into the river, I didn't—I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything except put my head down until he was literally at my face, screaming, and the, the spit was like on my face. Oh, and I was just like, oh my god. Anyway, after about one of the guys eventually came across, like they didn't speak each other's language because they were from different tribes. Yeah, it was. Mental. So three hour, a three-hour standoff, all no. our money, our watches, our taken. water, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything taken. Satellite phone, the whole kit and caboodle um, to Catherine. allow us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To allow us. Uh No, didn't have our passport. Okay, they were back yeah. in the hotel. Or no, they were no, in our bags, in bags. But it was like the, no good to them. But no, all they wanted okay. was, you know, money, clothes, water, oh food. Um, and what age were you at this point? I was That was one of the last rooms. So I'd say I was in 28, 29 um, but it was still like when I think about it like it was the same trip Ruth got an abscess on her tooth and she was down for two days oh, we then, then our guides completely turned on us right so then one night we're sitting at this river and one of them pulls out this shotgun I kid you not I'm not making this up and he was like we were like what the fuck why does your man have a gun and and the guy was like oh no it's fine it's for the wild pigs and I'm like why is he pointing it at
0: us <laughs> you are the wild pig <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: yeah so, um, so anyway then they took the rest of our water and they fecked off back to where they were because they realised all our money was gone from your man so we didn't have money to pay them they took your water yeah so we had like like we were like miles from anywhere. So water was the only thing. Like we had, um, what you call them? Uh, tablets, sterilizing tablets that you could actually sterilize the river water. Um, anyway, this is a very long this is story.
0: Absolute
1: but, madness. Um, yeah, like just bizarre. And then we were kind of lost in the jungle because they all fecked off. And then we were just with the one guy who we started out with and we he had no idea where he was. Um, and then I got malaria uh, oh, perfect. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so, but I remember lying on the riverbank, like, I think we were kind of two days back into our journey, back to civilization at that point. And the three of us were lying in our sleeping bag. And I was like, lads, this is brilliant
0: and were you were you scared
1: like <laughs> no I mean that's kind of that sort of I, I think sort of to kind of in a way always explains to me who I am like that yeah. for me that sort of adventure yeah. that being lost and if whatever shit was going to go down it was going to go down I mean probably not what anybody wants to hear when they hire you to go and do a job right,
0: right. <laughs> no. but you, I think you need to be a bit daft to, yeah, to deal it with was,
1: it. I mean poor Mark was just like every day he was like we're going back we're going back we're going back. And I'm like, we're going forward. We can't have come this far. We're almost at the goal. of mine. Ruth is dying with an abscess and I've got malaria. We've nearly been killed. And I'm like, come on, we can do it. <laughs> oh but I do gosh. remember laughing at the, on the riverbank yeah. that night. going. And the three of us were in, in floods. And we were like, lads, what? Like this, nobody in the planet knows exactly where we where are, are right now.
0: And there's no Google Maps or anything There's no then. Google Maps. No. Okay, so, it, so you were 28 or 9 then. Yeah. What age were you when you started the show? 21. i think i've actually asked you this before i just like corner i just want to know i'm like do you know did you know then how Mm. brilliant or how not lucky because it's not luck it's it's talent and you know you get a job like that because you deserve it oh no i absolutely got a job like that because i was lucky I
1: absolutely got I got a lucky break but then I made that lucky break work for me yes you know what I mean like I I, in the first two years I I dropped out of college to do it and my grand, my nana was like you can't what what to do some sort of a a TV show Um, and how did it come about so, well, I, that was actually for a TV show called Rapid. So I was in UCD, not really enjoying it, spending all my time in the bar because I was raging. I wasn't doing communications in DCU um, and just basically wrote to all the TV production companies. I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere. And so I just did voluntary work. And uh, my job was to hold an umbrella over Duncan Stewart. You remember Duncan Stewart from yeah. About the House? Yes. So uh, my job was to get sandwiches and hold the umbrella for him when he was practising lines and he was rain, and it was raining. And um, that was at a company called Coco. And then I was in, I got a job labelling tapes in um, Coco and just doing the, the, you know, general dog's body stuff. And they, um, they were looking for a female presenter. So I was putting all the tapes in and labelling them. And then I said, I can do this. I can do this it's not acting but i can do this so yeah got a shot um hillary o'donovan producer at the time uh gave me a shot and i was auditioning they had their lead they had their male yeah. um presenter their lead presenter <laughs> uh jason sherlock and sure now i knew nothing about sport this was for a kids' sports show yeah so i knew nothing about sport um but i was kind of sporty enough but didn't know the, the teams or whatever yeah yeah so did an interview and um Did a horrific... I had to interview the head of sport out at UCD. Shocking interview. I made an absolute balls of it. And it was so bad that I, you know, didn't hear anything for a week, then booked my flight off to Greece, back to the Greek islands for the summer to work as a bar tart. And then within three weeks, got a phone call to say that I got the job. So that's how it started. So it was three years doing a TV show called Rapid Kids Sports Show. And then I jumped onto No Frontiers and did that for 10 years. 10 so, yeah, I mean, it was still like the greatest job oh, ever. God. And did you ever get sick of it? Or did you ever go, oh, no, I don't want to go here? No, never, 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 never. Like, it was it was incredible. And um, it was just working with the same group of people you know same and you're such a close team because when you're on the road you get to know something like we were on the road for six months of the year you know
0: and then you become so comfortable so then the work is better it's the crack and we always
1: knew and we like we knew how to work hard and we knew how to play hard so you'd always get your, your your stuff done and then on the last night you'd have a rap night whether it was in you know the jungles well it was not in the jungles of Papua New Guinea but whether it was in New Mexico or whether it was in Venezuela I mean we we had some we had some great times you know.
0: Do you know how many countries you've been in?
1: Uh, I have added this up before and I think it is 90. Actually, I don't know. I can't remember. I have added it up, but I can't actually remember. In around the 100, Mark. Yeah, yeah, on? yeah. For Your um, favourite. Um, Papua New Guinea. <laughs> Papua New Guinea. I swear to God, because I, I never had a trip like that that was so kind of out there, you know what I mean? Um... I look, I love Africa. Probably, um, Africa is my favourite continent because it's like every time you go there, you experience something new. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like every con- every every country is so different yeah. to the to the neighbouring one. Um, and then, like we did this incredible trip to the Antarctic which was amazing, like a trip that I'll probably never, ever do again. Mm-hmm. And it's just like a different planet. You know, when you see what's going on with the world now, it's like it's it's uh, it was such a privilege. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it taught me a lot about different cultures and it actually taught me to be really comfortable with myself as well, because I think I like I grew up on the road seeing different cultures and different women and different ideal ideals of beauty. And, yeah. you know, there was no one right way to be. You yeah, know, yeah. there wasn't a right way, like just because You know, back in the day, like when I was in my 20s here, the -hmm. ideal was skinny. You know, now we're all about big bums. but You know what I mean? But in like I was traveling around South America in my early 20s and it was just ass and boobs baby <laughs> and they didn't look at you twice if you didn't you know what I mean and then in in Mongolia it was like if you didn't have like a really high um color on your cheeks okay. and like that wasn't a sign of beauty um and then in, in Ethiopia it's like how long is your neck yes, you know they put these yeah, and so, yeah. so women with really long necks and so it kind of was like it was it was an amazing education you know what I mean mm. it really was amazing education to see how different people live and again yes there's not one right way to 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 live your life you know what I mean there's so many different ways out there so
0: okay Catherine yes your no laughing matter moment in life my no laughing matter moment um it would definitely that brings me back to
1: my very early days of pregnancy mm-hmm. so um, I think a lot like I've talked a lot of, about this at this point um, that myself and Pork we we struggled a lot to um, bring Ellie into the world mm-hmm. um, and it was quite a long journey and um, you know and there were kind of ups and downs in the middle of like there was some mental times as well you know like um and some funny times when you kind of had to try and find humour in the darkest of yeah. days. Do you know what I mean? Um, but we had um, finally, we've gone through a lot of treatments, gone through a lot of fertility uh, treatments. We were um, with a, an amazing woman called Mary Wingfield in the Marion Fertility Clinic. Um, she is just unbelievable. Um, And we had finally gotten pregnant. Mm -hmm. And we had been, I think we'd been for two weeks, three weeks and everything was fine. Everything was fine. And then it was come back in in six weeks. And I remember going in for six weeks. And we'd had two miscarriages at this point. So we were kind of both in and around that time, you know, so we were both kind of, Um, But again, it was like this, I feel different. You know, it feels amazing. It feels great. It feels right. And um, we went into Hollis Street on that morning and this young nurse was there and she was doing the scan and she was like, oh, I I don't, um, I'm not happy with the heartbeat. So she said, you're going to have to come back in 10 days. And I just went like, what? 10 days so um, I remember just coming out and just going oh my god like 10 days and I the next day was doing the autumn launch for RTE I was hosting it and I just went and I was on radio at the time as well and I just went I cannot do this I can't do it um, so I just rang and I said, listen, I have to take a few days out. I just, I was, I was just not able to cope. Yeah. And I think it had just been years of kind of being okay of and course. kind of getting everything and getting myself into a space where, and the two of us getting into a space and we were so positive. Yeah. And then our world just crashed, you know. Um, so it was the longest 10 days in the world, can I tell you? It was well, I just, can't even imagine. it was horrific, horrific. How and do you
0: even pass the time? Like
1: I don't even know. Like I, I did a lot of walking. I did a lot of eating toast with butter. I did a <laughs> lot of balling of lamps out, and then I remember going in, and this we were in, and like I was crying in the car on the way, and I I kind of it was like for me it was almost like a self fulfilling prophecy, and I'd held it together, and just on that day we went in, and I could not stop crying. I could not stop crying. And this very um, sort of pragmatic Indian um, lady opened the door, and she was like, um, Catherine and Porik, in you come, and she was like, what's what's wrong, what's wrong, and I was like
0: it's like 10 days and it's just not going to happen and
1: in the middle of, it, she was like um, uh, your baby's doing great and I was like whoa
0: oh and then God. I just went what
1: oh. so um, yeah that was probably the most kind of stressful time like in, in what was kind of a very stressful time in our lives yeah. but that moment was just it was like it was like time stood still you know um,
0: and how does it feel then from that day onwards throughout the rest of the pregnancy like is it is it a case of you just settle into it and it's, you know, you're just like, it, this is going to happen or is every day a bit of like, oh God, oh God, oh God.
1: I have to be honest, um, every day for me was a worry. Was you it? know what I mean? Yeah, like I didn't enjoy, I didn't enjoy, towards the end, I think when I, when I, my, like I had, like my bump took ages to come and I didn't feel a kick until what felt like she came out. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? It was like, it was so, I didn't, and I wasn't sick. Everyone was like talking about the, the nausea and you know, yeah. your boob swelling and all this, like nothing. Like I didn't feel um, in any way different. Until then, the bump started, you yeah. know, to 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 um, pop out. Um, so you were probably
0: dying for it to show then. Yeah. Oh, listen. Yeah. I
1: was like, you know, like you know, arch in the back, trying to stick everything out, you know, trying to make it happen. But um, so but yeah. So no, I was nervous. I, like I was worried. Like and I kind of hid it well. But I was. I have to say, I was kind of until. Yeah. And I don't know. I think that's in one way why I went on the Late Late Show to talk about our experiences while I was still pregnant because I didn't want to I I did for me it was important to do it at that moment and not after I had had our baby I don't know why I was just it was like you're never out of it you know what I mean and it's okay to kind of feel anxious and it's okay to feel worried um, if you've kind of been through a lot of difficulties and like you know you're never out of the woods but it's still okay to kind of talk about it and make women and men feel that you know what, this isn't taboo, like you can actually, you can get past it and it's okay to kind of go through it in whichever way you do as long as you've got support around you, do you know what I mean?
0: I always wonder, say for example, like you going on the late to talk about that or say if someone goes on to talk about illness, if they're still going through it, I'm, I'm always like, if I were in that position, touch what I haven't been, but if I was, like, do you come out of do you walk off the late late set and and feel like has it served you or do you feel like you've just helped a lot of other people because it's a really selfless thing to do because you're helping so many people who are going through the same thing but did it help you
1: I think it did. I think it did. Uh, The reason I did it was because I had gotten so much help because I had to go on an online forum. So I kind of went on as an anonymous person going because I kind of felt like I needed to do this anonymously. And even though my friends and family were all brilliant, Mm -hmm. I just had so many questions and I kind of had in my own head going, am I mental that I'm this anxious and this worried? And I constantly am writing this self-fulfilling prophecy that it's all going to end horribly and do you know what I mean Yeah. Um. so I got so much help in that sense and then I was like why is nobody why is this such a taboo subject yeah. why is nobody talking about it? this happens to one like miscarriage happens to one in four couples yeah Um, And so why, you know, so obviously people who have gone through that are going to be living with this sort of anxiety and it's perfectly normal to feel like this and it's perfectly normal to be anxious, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So I felt that I had gotten a lot of help and then I realised actually nobody is talking about this um, and if I can even make one couple, not even like stay positive if they've gone through it, but then actually help them feel normal that like nine months feels like a long time if you're Mm -hmm. going to go through this in your head every single day, that it's actually okay and you just need to kind of try and work through it in whichever way you can you know
0: I think um I can't remember the girl's name but on Operation Transformation the girl who oh Jean oh my god yeah
1: Jean she's amazing yeah. she's amazing that I actually met her during the summer did with her you? little boy Braden. Oh, yeah god. yeah yeah she's Again, great
0: that was another I think that just resonated with so many people at the time just yeah the fact that you were so candid she was so candid it was just fab oh thank you she's a dote she's a dote okay catherine the person you always laugh with um i have to say right
1: like ellie right now because like who does not laugh at a two and a half year old they are gas (laughs) um like they're just it's just this it's just such a funny age yeah you know and like literally driving in the car this morning i was capping myself because she was like mom can I put pizza on your boobies (laughs) now she's in the back of the car we have not like I'm fully dressed she's not looking at my boobies we haven't had pizza she doesn't eat pizza she's never had pizza she's looking out the window and she was like can I put pizza on your boobies and I'm like yes of course And I'm looking like there's a truck here beside me. And I'm like, you have no idea the conversations that we're having right now, you know. So she's definitely like, they're just, they're just such um, little energy givers, you know, like um, they're gas, what they come out of. And it's just their perception of the world, what they soak up. Yes. um, And it's just, it's again, it's just an innocence. And it's just that like total reminder to... um, to sort of revert back to that sort of child-likeness whenever yeah. you're feeling, you know what I mean? Whether it's f- losing your, Self, if you want to throw on the music and have an L Bop. Um, <laughs> so definitely she's one. My, my husband as well, I have to say that, although I laugh at him more right. than I laugh, you know, with, <laughs> with him. him. Right. Um, he, mind you, his impersonations are great, his jokes are shite, his impersonations are, are brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And actually, my brother is a very good mimic as well. Really? Yeah, my little brother Stephen. Um, did I mention him? I don't think I mentioned him at the top of the show. Steven. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh, my God. I said, me, David like... and Linda. Well, yeah, because there's a 10-year age gap. Okay, right.
0: So he's kind of just way
1: down. The... <laughs> he was never around at the really great parts of our gotcha. life, which were hilarious childhoods. Um, <laughs> no, but he kind of came... He came... Stephen is 10 years younger than us. Right. So, um, but he is... He's actually one of the funniest people I know. He's gas. Um He's... Uh, yeah, he's hilarious. He's a very good mimic. And again, he just... Like, our family WhatsApp, probably a bit like yours, like, they're always... Can't everyone's just messing. cutting each other down. <laughs> yeah, You know, yeah. if I've just done some big... Like, like Instagram campaign or like, a, you know, magazine cover. Yeah. He'll pull out something that is so not me or so cheesy or, you know, photoshopped here, you know, or he'll put up a photo of me like last Christmas right. with the photo, sh- you know, with the like front cover and he would be like, well, ah, you're leading people astray. You know what I mean?
0: This is new. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I wanted to say about Ellie there. Oh my God. My, this was actually one of my if I didn't laugh, I'd cry moments of COVID her birthday party.
1: Oh, oh my god. I so many. <laughs> do you know that birthday
0: party got more likes than my <laughs> wedding? <laughs> Oh, for anyone who who hasn't seen it, please, what's her date of birth so we can scroll back and see it? It's the 23rd of March, 23rd of March. It was the cutest thing. So just to describe it. So it was her second birthday. It was her second birthday. And obviously lockdown had just happened on the 12th or 13th of March or whatever it
1: was. And um, so we couldn't have a party for her. So I just got this idea to, you know, she had gone up for a nap. Um, and I just grabbed all the, t- the teddies down from her room and I set them all up and I put like the little teacups out and the hats on Aww. them and I put the balloons up and the whole thing. Now in fairness and it was quite sweet and everyone was like oh I've done that with my child. She came down and I think I frightened the shite <laughs> out of her because she was just like like there was like there's just her, her dad like Pork's carrying her down the stairs and she's like you just could see she's kind of like
0: this is freaky hell? Um,
1: and they're all kind of you know like looking at her um, it was so adorable but it, was, adorable. Yeah, no, but it yeah. was like God when you think
0: back jeez oh what do you mean Think back. Sure, we're still. I know. In I know. God, almighty oh, I know. Anyway, when look, we'll world, stay positive. We'll when stay positive. Will the world return to normal. Okay, Catherine. Catherine Thomas. Yes. A time where you had the last laugh. Um, I know people find this difficult to
1: answer, and it's kind of, it is a difficult one because I'm, you know, uh, the only thing that I could come up with for right. this, right, <laughs> um, was when I was auditioning for The Voice. Right, okay, right. And um Bill Malone rang me. Bill brilliant, he's he's now in T V three. He's de- he rang me and he was like, Would you um uh, go for the, an audition? And I was like, An audition? Sure, what audition? sorry, what? Like I've been on television for five hundred years, you want me to go for an audition? He was like, Yes, Catherine Everett's going for an audition. I was like, All oh, right, grand <laughs> Um and he was like, just so you know, um we're gonna be doing um male and female um combinations. Yeah. And uh I said, okay. I said, well, why is there is there like a, uh, you know, is is there an opportunity to go for, you know, you know, lead presenter or solo presenter? Like why? And he was like, well, the thing is, right, there's never been a female host of The Voice anywhere around the world. Like they've always been the co-host. Right. And I went, why? (laughs) I went, sorry. Uh, I was like, never anywhere in the world. There's never been a female host. And like they've always been the kind of the sidekick. Yeah. And he said, "Yeah, look, that's just the way it is." Anyway, so I was like, "You're like, oh,
0: is it? Oh, is it? Oh, is it?"
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and I knew. So Endemol, um, uh, uh, they also was It was going to be like um, Larry, obviously with Shinnawill and um, the Shinnawill were the company. Uh, RTE were going to be involved in the decision process, and Endemol, who were the Dutch company. So on the day of the auditions, there was like all the Dutch crowd were in, and right. they were monitoring everything. And so I had gone on off with myself and I was going, okay, Dutch, Dutch, Dutch. Okay, what do the Dutch like? And I had found this full length orange, like, so the colour of the flag.
0: Right. Amazing. Oh, I, mean, I love it.
1: So I had said to Linda, the producer in Shinna um, can I change outfits in the middle of the audition? And she was like, no. That would be ridiculous like what? you're just going to audition with this person and then audition with that person and then it's done and I was like no I'd like to do one of on my own and I would never do this like I would Amazing. never ever do this go on. but I was like just can I have like just give, give us a go and, with a different outfit on my own so um, so they did and um, I left and I kind of thought well I did a great audition with like my like two different guys yeah. and I thought it went really well and um, anyway I happened to be in Greece at the time and Bill rings me and he was like you got the gig and I was like woo I said, okay, brilliant. Who am I doing it with? Like and uh, he said, No, like you're your host. He's like, You're working with Owen. Yeah. Um, um, but you are the the lead host. And I went. Oh that yeah. Is
0: who run the world? Fabulous. <laughs> I love it. Oh, thank you. Uh, like, thank you. Yeah, I
1: felt like I was gonna go off and do an Oscar <laughs> speech there.
0: <laughs> I'd like to thank, I'd like to thank the, my orange full leg like, the dress. Oh, I love that. Um, and so you were just like, I want to do it on my own. And so they did so they let you, like you yeah. Now
1: maybe they were maybe other uh, they, maybe they were doing female auditions nah. on their own as well nah. but I just kind of wanted to do it um, and yeah so
0: that's how it happened. And so Owen was your co now he's my co-host. <coughs> co- yeah yeah the brilliant Owen. The brilliant Owen. We won our gold award. I know I <laughs> like, know Did you hear? Uh, well, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so well deserved I have to say <laughs> so well deserved. Okay Catherine if laughter wasn't the best medicine what would be? Uh, dancing has anyone said said sex oh has anyone said
1: sex go on Catherine tell us no I'm not going to go because I can't go to stories about that so I'm (laughs) going to go with dancing (laughs) (laughs) oh I love it Um, what kind of dancing now? actually would you get anything would you (laughs) I literally I like when I tell you like dancing makes me feel you know and I, I go back to Ellie you know it's like when you feel like free and you feel you know and it probably has a lot to do with the fact that you've probably had four or five gin and tonics <laughs> when you're on the dance floor yeah. but like dropping it like it's hot doing the Beyonce <laughs> yeah. I mean uh, but and the thing is I actually think I am Beyonce or Jennifer Lopez when right. I'm out yeah um, and I was convinced when I was 21 that I was a fabulous dancer and then um, iPhones with videos came out <laughs> and it stopped me for a while it stopped me in my yeah. tracks I kind of went back into you know sort of side of the dance floor and then I went you know what no you just gotta go with it go for you it you just go with who it who cares and, um, dance like no one's watching is that is literally so for me yeah. that is um, there's nothing like it and I miss it you know what I mean like the last no. time we had a proper full on bop uh, bop was um, our wedding last bop. August and I was up on the grand piano, up on the tables. like, And that's my problem as well. For some reason, the dance floor like, serves its purpose for the first half an hour. After that, the ledge of that fireplace, Shane's desk, yeah. Shane's knee, yeah. your chair, table, whatever, anything that's kind of an elevated surface. <laughs> so I have a platform that is my spiritual home. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we actually, we didn't talk about the wedding at all. I remember, I remember everyone was like, Catherine, no, oh my God, I the wedding so bad, the dress is so bad, blah, blah, But I remember one, I remember hearing a day or two after, it was like, oh my God. It was like kind of outdoors. Yeah. But it was like uh, covered over. But yeah. just as Catherine was about to walk up the aisle, <laughs> the heavens opened. Yeah. Was that a nightmare?
1: It was a <laughs> uh, It was a nightmare in the lead up to it. Uh, Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It was a nightmare in the lead up to it because we then had to just erect this kind of marquee, you know, when I was ringing... I was ringing um, Siobhan Ryan and Jean Byrne in Metair and had them like literally on the mobile stop oh yeah swear, swear to God uh, ringing Jerry. what's the story at five past three tomorrow Jerry. do you need to move it Siobhan and then Siobhan was like oh no Catherine there's cloud cover coming in now I'd have to and then I'm like oh do I need to move the wedding to Tara that's um,
0: a direct and then, line to Metair and yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, so anyway Jerry
1: was like put up the tent Catherine so anyway up the tent about the night before and um, and oh, I had you know planned so Porrick and Ellie were walking down one set of steps and it was Long walk yeah. down the garden, like, yeah. And myself and my dad were the outside. There was four of us coming, and because I had so many feck and bridesmaids, the ten of them took them an hour to get out <laughs> in the beautiful, glorious sunshine. Oh,
0: Stuff. <laughs> so they got it. They they kept dry. Oh, for feck's sake! <laughs> and then it came for our time to, to enter and
1: out we came, and we got down the first set of steps, and I was looking oh, over for the next God. thing. Like it didn't just rain; it was like monsoon. It was like monsoon sideways rain. Yeah. So we had to literally run, but we were pissing ourselves when we got to tell? Like it oh, was God, just okay. It was brilliant. Like yeah. it was everyone was laughing and we were laughing. Like it was it what was, was Norma Jean like <laughs> she was literally crying the hairdresser in the back, like literally in a ball. No! In an absolute no! b- <laughs> Um, but you know what? It was, it was, it was great. Like it was, it kind of made. And uh, when whenever anybody said that to me on the day, I was like, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, annoying,
1: yeah. Um, but then afterwards, when I watched back, it actually did because yeah. it was sort of so funny for everyone to see us for
0: legging it, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, but it was a brilliant day.
1: Loved every minute of
0: it. Okay, Catherine Thomas. Yes. Are you ready for your quickfire round? Yeah. The actor you always laugh at. Oh, oh! The actor I always laugh at. Um, Robin Williams. <laughs> Lovely actress. You always laugh at. Amy Schumer. Nice. The comedian you always laugh at.
1: Do you know what? In the last few days, James Patrice has been making me (laughs) die laughing. Like the outfits he actually James and Carl Mullen I have to oh, say as brilliant. well stop brilliant. the lights like James well he knows I'm in love with his father Jim Right. Um, who's from Carlo and, but Jim and Fran and Vanessa and Jay. like honestly the costumes the costumes yeah. like the facial expressions when his lip disappears <laughs> yeah. and his big teeth I cannot get enough of that and then Carl Mullen um, who I don't know that well and I've only recently started following yeah. uh, you of course as well Darren. you as well oh
0: stop <laughs> stop it but, oh uh, Carl Carl's brilliant yeah, yeah.
1: like the Ryan sketch and then when he was talking <laughs> about his trip to Bolivia and I actually had to text him afterwards and I was he was like oh yeah that time when I went down to a dynamite mine in Bolivia so after Carl was talking about the dynamite yeah. uh, in Bolivia he was online talking about visiting a dynamite mine um I texted him and I was like oh did you visit that prison in Bolivia I went in like it was run by the inmates and mm. um, that was then uh shut down after a drug bust and Carl's like oh yeah I spent a
0: day there as well it was (laughs) perfectly normal casual travel Um, (laughs) just your average sightseeing yeah okay Uh, and Joan Rivers as well I love her oh yes Joan Rivers and finally Catherine yes your best or worst joke oh uh, Joan
1: Rivers just as I mentioned her um, what's worse than getting drunk in a bar and going home having sex with Willie Nelson what waking up and realising it's not actually Willie Nelson (laughs) (laughs) I love her, I love her.
0: Oh my God, Catherine Thomas, thank you so, so much for you, sharing The last of Your Life. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed that, it was brilliant. Thank you for listening to The last of Your Life with Catherine Thomas. I hope you enjoyed it. Catherine's Pure Results Bootcamp retreats return this January 2021. You can go to pureresultsbootcamp.com for more. If you're enjoying this season of the podcast, don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, review, and all those other things. This podcast is brought to you by Collaborative Studios.